0: Action. Here we go. Woo. It's been a long time. Wow. But here we are. We're like cockroaches. We never die. Rain or shine. We're here, all right? Maybe you forgot. You forgot about us. Just like you forgot about Dre. But here we are. Another day. Beyond Words with F and A, Felix and Al. We are back and on the attack. Yeah, woo. <laughs> I get a little rusty with my intro singing, but your guitar playing has not lost its luster, my friend. Except I messed up that
1: final line there. Did you? <laughs> I didn't notice. <laughs> you're you're going to hear it on the podcast in full HD. <laughs> The slip up of the fingers. I try to like time it with your rap, and then you try to time it with my. Yeah. <laughs> don't try to time it with my rap, dude.
0: <laughs> you got to keep the time.
1: That's. <laughs> that's the uh, yeah. That's why I don't play and sing at the same time. <laughs> I can't even do a drum and singing ceremony at the same time. Oh. <clears throat> <clears throat> no way, that's hard. Oh, that's so hard. Yeah. How do people do that? Because
0: yeah, because yeah, it's like. Uh, uh, Patting your belly and rubbing your head at the same time, you know? Pa- patting your head and rubbing your belly.
1: See, I can do that while you rub your belly. Oh
0: yeah, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> We're <team> pros. <laughs> 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 well no, nice to nice to do this again, man. It's been a little, I think it's been a good uh
1: nine months? Yeah, was it? I think our last episode was nine months. Really? Yeah. Wow Or longer, maybe.
0: We did it the last one was with John. It was like uh
1: somatics and
0: yeah we talked about his thing um, yeah uh jesus it, it's been nine months yeah it's been a long time well thanks everybody for not uh for sticking around here we are just picking up where we left off
1: yep 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 i told zach about it and zach was like oh yeah i can't wait so hey zach we're gonna shout out to zach yeah shout out yeah what's up zach <laughs> hey everybody <laughs> zach corvin Triptamine. Where is Zach these days? He's up in the uh, the Cora. In Mancora. So yeah, yeah, yeah. They got rain up there this year. Finally, he said they had no rain for like three years.
0: They had like crazy dengue outbreak up there. What? Dengue, which apparently was just like limes. Was it's a lab experiment?
1: It's terrifying. Yeah. I watched Todd get dengue. Me too. Do you remember that? Yeah, dude. That was rough.
0: I had to uh, cover for him. I, that's when I had to come work. Oh, that retreat. Right. Oh, that's right. I got moved. Yeah, well, we don't have to worry about that here, thankfully. Not in the here, mountains. Up here in these mountains.
1: But I do find mosquitoes here. Have you ever seen mosquitoes here? By the river. Yeah. But then they say there's no mosquitoes here and I'm like, but I've seen them. Unless they're not mosquitoes. Well, there's those biting flies.
0: I call them. I'm uh, pretty sure I've seen goblins. mosquitoes in the like right around the end of the rainy season when it's warming up and
1: like Yeah and then the foot goblins the little ankle biters oh yeah yeah plenty of them there's lots of them
0: yeah yeah well uh what has happened in the last 9 months man what's been going on
1: shoo well we're getting ready to leave peru wow yeah and uh it's big i've been in peru for a decade i know it's wild it's coming up soon. How does it feel? feels good. There's 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 conflict. There's inner conflict. I think more because of... Like, I've lived here for 10 years. This is the longest I've lived in a place in a very long time. I was a military kid, so I was always traveling anyways. Maybe ever, right? Maybe ever. Well, minus Washington State. I'd say I lived there for about 10 years. But, yeah, I mean, this place is... It's magical. Yeah. It's weird, though, because it was like... <clears throat> This wasn't, I wouldn't call it like a rational decision. Like, I didn't sit down and think about it and like, oh, here's the pros and cons of Peru, and yeah, this is this, and it was like a click. Like, something snapped, and it was like, it's time to go. It, the decision was made for you. Yeah, oddly. Like, Spirit was like, okay, you've you've done your time in Peru. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You've served your sentence. No, it wasn't <laughs> in some ways. In some ways, but it's it's yeah, it's an odd feeling cuz it's just like I know there's no turning back. One. And like I shared with you when we talked the other day is like once we decided we're leaving, everything shifted. Everything in the neighborhood shifted, everything in our house, like our wall fell down, uh our pipes got messed up, like we're like, what is happening? Like, it's like the house was angry that we were leaving. It's like, how dare you? Or the house was like, good job, guys. I'm going to give you extra motivation. <laughs> I'm going to fall apart Here randomly. you go. <laughs> go. You, it's time.
0: It's funny how the, in, the outer world can reflect the inner world. It, there's no difference. You know, like, it's crumbling and it's time to go. There's no difference, man. I think it's amazing and it's, uh, I know, because we're, working on our next move as well. And it's hard to let go when you're comfortable somewhere, at least for me, when, even though I know it's time it's time to like grow and evolve and feel like I've hit a wall here in some ways, but it's also, this is the kind of longest I've lived anywhere. And yeah, it's, it's hard to like really let go of that comfort. Like we know everybody, you know, the routine the house is comfortable. Needs are met. Food is cheap. Yeah, but to recognize that like your spirit, like something deeper it needs to keep growing. Like that's the only way to keep the spirit alive. And maybe for me at least that's maybe the root of the calling to to can't ignore it, you know.
1: I, I totally agree. And when you said that when you came over that one day, it was like you're right, this place is it's very comfortable. I mean, it has its discomforts. It has its, but you're you're comfortable even with the discomforts. Yeah,
0: because you know them so well.
1: Yeah, it's like, oh yeah, it's really cold in the morning. Randomly, you know, the water's out. There's
0: <laughs> it's dusty. Yeah,
1: very dusty. But there is like this kind of happened in that retreat center. Is like, I hit a stage where it was like, I'm just treading water. Mm-hmm. And not in a, like, depressive way, but just, like, I don't, I'm not moving forward. I'm not moving backwards. I'm just kind of sitting on the surface here, and there's something more behind that. And what is that thing, and will I ever be comfortable until I know what that thing is?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. It, I mean, it to me, it's different than the retreat center life because this is a lot more comfortable.
1: Even more comfortable. That, than that was
0: life. easier to kind of leave behind because it was quite uncomfortable, in you know, like, physically and emotionally Mentally and everything yeah and this is like really tr- comfort is like the the trap you know it's like uh uh some people are born with nothing and they work their ass off and they get really wealthy but then their children never went through that struggle and so then their children don't fight for anything and they they get complacent and they get comfortable there's a whole movement now of of wealthy parents that are um, changing their will to give all their money away to charity, not give any to their children in order to, because they want their children to learn how to work for themselves because it's a valuable, it's an important part of life. So instead of passing down their wealth and just like turning the family into just complacent people who just don't have to try for anything, they're actually just giving it all away. That's awesome. It is. I mean, as the child of someone like, I'd be pretty pissed off. <laughs> yeah. I thought we like, had billions. Why not teach me to work hard and give me your the resources to do amazing things? You know, but I get it. I, I totally get the reasoning. It's brave. It's a brave move because previously, no families were too proud to let go of their wealth. You want to keep the family wealthy prominence and wealthy. Yeah.
1: Well, that's, I think that's what Steven Spielberg did to his kid. Like, he doesn't get a penny until he earns his first million or something like that. I, mm-hmm. I remember reading that somewhere. That's a good way to do it, too. Yeah, make a million dollars,
0: and then... Then you show you can do it, and then you can have my billion, <laughs> whatever, whatever he's worth.
1: Multi-billions. Yeah. He's very wealthy. Yeah. Well, it's, it's crazy to break that mold, and I think the biggest challenge in that is, like, it's like you said, the inner and the outer reflect, you know, they reflect each other, and it's not just that as I'm leaving here physically, it's also like the mental limitations that I've created around this place. And they may have not seemed like limitations. It's like, Oh, well, I don't really need, you know, a ton of money. Cause I can buy food super cheap. I can, you know, everything's super cheap here. Really. Um, minus lawyer fees and all that nonsense. But, but it created like this mental comfort to not want to expand as well. And it's like, okay, well, how do I, and I'm not saying that our work doesn't do that because it does. Working with medicine constantly pushes the boundaries of your mind. But it's familiar too. There's even like a, a limitation in that of like, sure, unfamiliar things, unfamiliar parts of yourself arise. But there's still like, okay, I'm in a process, yada, 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 here we go. And now I'm back into work. And breaking that mold physically to leave here and then breaking the mold mentally to leave here, I think the mental is actually the harder part. I think that's where my mind is struggling the most. Is like, whoa, I have to seek other avenues of being. Mm-hmm. Which is hard. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And. Yeah, I'm just. Uh, digesting that because that's kind of. Like I've been doing the same kind of work. Same job for a long time now. And it's really comfortable. And I'm good at it. It pays well for Peru. And there is a bigger part of me that knows I need to move on and create something of my own. But there's a mental comfort, like, where I, to face the uncertainty, I guess it's like a fear of uncertainty, like, to face the uncertainty of, like, not having a guaranteed paycheck from some other source. And I just have a set of responsibilities that I know and I have to do them. But to be an entrepreneur really, or to be your own source of your own creation, there's that uncertainty. And that's what. or my mind is like, Ooh, that's, um, even though 2020 taught us, like I lost that job for a little while because everything shut down. So even that's not certain, you know, and in a way there's more certainty in terms of my income and how I can, provide for my family if I am actually the source of my income rather than depending on something else that depending that it keeps going and keeps so yeah for me it's a big mental exercise of just being willing to face that uncertainty like like going hunting on my own
1: (laughs) that's I mean exactly that because it is it is uncertainty but you know I think of our initial journey and coming down to Peru man neither of us knew what any outcome was and had so much faith in that. And why is that versus us going out with even more skills, even more knowledge back into the world and being like, <gasps> but is this, is because of that mental comfort in this container of like, I know I can legally serve ayahuasca in Peru yeah. I can't do that elsewhere, you know? Uh, but, uh, you know, there, there's all these mental limitations that are constraints. They've, they've built their own prison inside my mind. And actually, this is why I wrote that book.
0: That's what I was going to ask next. Yeah. Yes. So Felix wrote a book, if you don't know yet. So let's, yeah, let's get into that, man. So
1: let's dive right in. What's it called? The book is called The Momentous Method, A Guide to Limitless Potential beautiful who designed the cover because it's beautiful
0: zach that's what i thought zach. martin and i were like zach must have been zach that. was on. Well done sh- always on fire it's a man. beautiful beautiful cover and how firstly how do people get it
1: uh you can buy it on amazon or lulu but amazon's probably the best place to get it you'll get it faster
0: and can you get it uh, like a physical copy or a digital copy
1: both yeah yeah yeah, yeah. cool yeah yeah with lulu it's super long what's like, lulu Lulu's a basically print on demand service. Okay. Um kind of like Amazon. Like Amazon, but Amazon's super quick. I yeah. don't know how they get books out within a day.
0: Yeah, they have yeah, they have printers in many countries and robots. It just, it just yeah, it's just someone orders it and it just sends the order to the printer and it gets printed and packed up and shipped. That's
1: wild. They're they're a monopoly. Um So yeah, you can get it on a digital copy or a physical copy. So The uh, the Momentous Method by by me, by Felix Durden, is... um, Do you know Durden means death? No. Uh, Isn't that crazy? Uh, Anyways, (laughs) The Momentous Method is really an introduction into a momentous mind. So Momentous Mind will be the third book. Uh, The middle book is A Momentous Life. And then the first book is The Momentous Method. To oh, there's you. a trilogy there's coming. A trilogy.
0: Have you finished them all?
1: Uh, I'm almost done with the second book. Wow. So it's just, man, I don't know what is coming through. I don't know how it's coming through. Like, I sit down, and it writes itself.
0: That's amazing. So how did, okay, let's rewind. I'm going to interview the author now. <laughs> Where did the inspiration first arise, and how, and why, and when?
1: Um... Every time I worked with a guest in ceremony, it's exactly what I was doing in ceremony, but in word form.
0: So this method is what you were doing in ceremony? 100%. And you're, and the book is a way for people to do it for themselves?
1: Exactly. Because that's the only person who can do it when it comes down to healing. It doesn't matter if it's the greatest guru in, in India or a super powerful maestro in Peru. It's like they're just trying to do this. But you are doing this for people. You help them to do that for themselves, hopefully and, through retreats. And were you explaining this to them when you work with them? Now more so. Wow. Especially for Westerners. like What I'm understanding is Westerners, we don't really live in the real world at all. 90% of our world is in our head. 999 And it is in science for sure, but we're not even interacting with reality as it is without a filter of, I think this is this. And I think this is this. Like the narrator, the narrator, man, that narrator is a motherfucker. Mm -hmm. And I'm happy to say that on this podcast because it's true. Um, that narrator is what is stopping us from achieving everything we desire in our lives. Happiness, peace, Uh, Wealth whatever you want to achieve. It's just this there's a counter current narrator that's louder than our current like a narrator that's Speaking to our greatest outcome and it's consistently saying no, you can't do this. You can't do that Uh, No, you're not good enough because
0: of this and that yeah
1: And it can give you all the reasons and it's really great at rationalizing and so the metaphor I have in there is that imagine when you're born you were dropped into the ocean and the ocean is the great mind and you know, you're know, you kind of startled and you're flailing around and you grab the first thing that's close to you your mother and father, your environment your social system, whatever um, your community and you hold on to that and you say this is all there is and you start interacting with the world by holding on to this debris of other people's ideas other people's words or thoughts and then you start to build around that and over time, you build a debris island. You put a couch in there, and it's comfortable, and you know how your thoughts think, and you know your, your little negative voices that run around and tell you you can't do anything. And one day, you hear a boat go by. And that boat could be psychedelics, because psychedelics are great at expanding the mind beyond what <laughs> we know. And you realize that you're actually swimming in an ocean, the vast ocean of mind. And so you run around, you tell the community in your mind, you say, hey, just so you know, everything is mind, everything. And they're like, shut up. It's not. You're lying. You don't create your reality. You're bullshit. Your mind is, your mind is this, this debris island, all these ideas that we all agree upon and it's nice and safe. And uh, eventually you're like, well, I can't deny that there's an ocean. I know that I need to get out there. Like what's beyond my walls? And so you find a crack in the debris island, you start to swim. And then swimming is a momentous life. And then a momentous mind is learning to fly.
0: Whoa, okay. So
1: that's the three books. That's the three books. So the first book is about
0: swimming, finding the
1: hole in the debris? Is, really, it's about discovering debris island. Like, you really need to see your debris island very clearly before you know that you're on a debris island. Right. Like a plastic island floating out in the middle of the ocean. How many of your ideas are original? How many of the the things that your narrator says to you are original things that have come from your mind, that are actually rooting for you?
0: Do you think that varies from person to person?
1: Absolutely. depends on the environment they clung on to.
0: Right, and what they were surrounded with and how their parents were. For sure. And what's the, why momentous?
1: It's all-encompassing. It's the biggest thing ever. It's mind is momentous. Mind is all-encompassing.
0: What is momentous? Like now, moment?
1: No, momentous is the grandest thing ever. It's the largest all-encompassing thing.
0: Okay, so a a mind, the all-encompassing everything mind. And what is the method?
1: Well, the method is is, first is starting with rediscovery. So there's a bunch of steps in the first book. First is rediscovery. And so rediscovery means starting to acknowledge and see what your narrator is saying to you. Okay, I see that. I say I'm a piece of shit every now and again. Great. That doesn't help me. Um, Or, and, sorry, and then seeing how that narrator says, well, I'm only good enough to achieve this, so I manifest this. And then you look outwardly and you see what your life has manifested outwardly. It may not be ugly. It may be beautiful. But there are still limitations within it. right? That's why we stop. We stop in life because we're saying, oh, but I'm comfortable at this place and I don't want to go any further. Or I can't go any further. Most of the time it's can't.
0: A lot of people will say, I want to be super rich and have all these things, but actually they don't want that because they don't.
1: There's too many countercurrent narratives. So there's all these narratives that are going against you. And if we don't see the narratives and all of them, all the, the citizens, I call them citizens of Debris Island that are coming up to you and being like, no, nah, man, nah, you, you shouldn't shouldn't try and put yourself out there like that. You shouldn't. Nah, don't do that. You know, like you're only you're only Felix. Come on, man. You know, and so you have to discover degree, rediscover your Debris Island. You have to see all your limiting ideas and factors that have manifested what you have now. So it's not a bad thing. Some of them helped you get to where you are now, but they stopped you. Right.
0: So it's about seeing them, not necessarily judging them, but just firstly seeing that they're there. You you can't judge them. It
1: was all you knew. Yeah. How, how could you know any different? Like, and
0: why are they there?
1: Well, I think Debris Island has like a magnetic property. It's like like-mind thinks, you know, uh, like attract lights. Mm-hmm. And so we'd rather be on an island surrounded by people who all have a similar, somewhat similar narrative to some degree, because it's comfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, We attach to those ideas because they created safety early on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, I'm I'm safe. So
0: fear is the root of the island. That's
1: the first. Yeah, the biggest thing: fear and doubt. Doubt and fear, like the two. I say they're the two paired gremlins, and they come together. They walk up to you and they're like, 1st I'm going to make you doubt everything you know." And then I'm gonna make you afraid of going beyond that. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's the next part. Um Yeah, so after you've discovered your debris island and all its citizens and all the fun things. Um what's the next? <laughs> ah, Ruthless Clarity. The next piece is ruthless clarity. Mm-hmm. So not in a judgmental way, because judgment is another form. It's another citizen another debris. on Debris Island. Yeah, it's just this kind of thing that perpetuates being stuck in the same place anyways. Um, we need to develop ruthless clarity. We need to be able to take a razor blade to all these characters on Debris Island and say, okay, well, I actually see that you're not helping me. I have to see it clearly first. We have to see how... You know, I, I call Mayor Doubt the big, the big head honcho on Debris Island because he seems to be ruling everything. Uh, how Mayor Doubt wow. <laughs> I love, I love it. Is constantly building up, like, he, you know, he, as much as Doubt is, it's a funny concept, Doubt is the most confident mayor of all of Debris Island. And oftentimes we more listen to Mayor Doubt than we do to anything else which is odd because it's doubt. And so with ruthless clarity, we have to first see where the narrative is and then see how it's manifesting outwardly. Mm -hmm. And we have to keep tying them back and forth and say, okay, I need to be ruthlessly clear that this idea that I cannot accomplish something or I cannot be a writer or I cannot be a da-da-da-da-da is creating a life of me just sitting on my couch, you know, playing video games. (sighs) Right, because I'm. I don't. That's I'm, a
0: hard truth to acknowledge.
1: Which is what ceremonies are. Yeah. Right. And this is what we're trying it's to the get mirror people. Mirror of truth. It's the mirror of truth, and we have to see ourselves clearly and understand how we move and work, if we ever want to break free from that. And mm-hmm. I and I use the analogy of martial arts. Like we have to know how the body moves, and where it can move and can't move in order to be an effective fighter. Mm -hmm. If you want to know how your mind really works, you have to see how it moves and how it can't move. Mm -hmm. And then you have to go beyond it.
0: Mm -hmm. So yeah. So the sheer act of writing this book was an application of the whole thing itself because
1: you were resisting. I imagine I was totally resisting. Yeah. 100%. Every step of the fucking (laughs) doubt. Oh my God. Doubt came in. It came in internally. And once I found the internal citizen, I found the external citizen.
0: So you're like writing about the thing that's the, the, the subject of the book is the thing that you're also def- like working,
1: working through, through to write the book itself. It was wild. That's a, that must have been an amazing experience. Manifestation is real, and it happens in real time. It's, it, and this is what also came from this book, too, is seeing how manifestation works. Here, we'll just um pause it. All
0: right. We are, yeah, we're back on. We took a little moment there. little pause. Yeah, I was just saying, I'm very, I'm so proud of you. This sounds amazing. I can't <laughs> wait to read. So, what were you saying about manifestation?
1: Like, well, as this book was being written, because I don't want to say I wrote it, because I don't really feel like I did. I know I use my fingers to move keys on a keyboard, but it just, whatever flew, kind of flowed through me. But uh, as I was writing it, each step that I was in, it it was just right in my face. Like, not only internally, but externally. Like, manifesting on a huge level. And I just reread the book recently, and same thing happened as you know it just my reality just reflected Jeez. where these manifestations of my mind my own limits was appearing in the outside world and then they just abruptly separated <laughs> like over and over again and you know the story so it's like it's it's wild so i i actually i put a disclaimer in the beginning of this book because i can see how it can it will shake up somebody's life. Mm -hmm. If they see what I'm really trying to say is like, you have to confront that narrator and then all the the citizens of Debris Island.
0: Because for the past few months, as I've been sitting with making changes in my life, leaving the comfort of a job to do my own thing every night, man, once I put my daughter to bed, that's pretty much when I have time to start putting my energy towards something new that's when I but I just watch YouTube videos you know and my mind says oh you're too tired you've had a rough day tomorrow you can start working on something you know and I hear that I'm like I I know it's there but I'm I'm afraid sometimes I think I'm lazy because I am at the end of the day I'm tired and just I find comfort in you know watching john levi check him out on youtube awesome videos john j-o-n-l-e-v-i but you see like that's that's my thing right that's how i avoid getting out of my comfort zone you know so i think i need this book in my life i think now's the time because it's i'm like I, i yeah i have to face this you know
1: it's it i mean but what i see on the other side of it is like we're not experiencing the full potential of what the mind actually has to offer. And this is a huge premise of the book is understanding that the mind itself is limitless. It is absolutely limitless, but we've built a bunch of limitations and we live on debris Island. So we don't really go beyond what we know. And it's the only through the breaking of the walls of debris Island, do we get access to a greater mind? We start entering this kind of flow state, man, when we first came down to Peru, no plan, no idea what was next, no idea where we were going or how it's going to look, and we did it. We were actually in that. We were in the ocean. Mm-hmm. We were able to break, we ignored all the citizens on Debris Island and jumped in. It's when we get to a place of comfort that we reestablish uh, a new Debris Island. And this is why the book starts with rediscovery and ends with rediscovery. Because it's, it's, be- a,
0: it's a cycle you have to keep.
1: There's no end to it.
0: Because I, I think it's easy. It's easier to pick up, leave, go to a new place. It's easier to swim in the ocean because you've left a lot of the debris island in another place. Like, the the triggers that might trigger my own mind to go to that comfort place of watching YouTube might not come up if I'm in a completely new place, at least for a while. And maybe I've expanded my debris island. It's bigger and I'm swimming further out. But then it slowly you you reestablish i have to remember to keep swimming out
1: yeah well you have to remember to see where you've built a new debris island around your comfort and i'm really good at doing that instantly like if we get into a hotel and we're going to stay in a hotel for a week i immediately get all my things all set up i get my little corner ready i'm like a pack rat you know i start digging holes in the walls and <laughs> <laughs> it's like i just i just get ready to be comfortable everywhere I go I'm used to moving a lot and I just I set into my old habits and the habits aren't necessarily external habits they're internal habits Mm -hmm. okay I I did everything I need to do for today I I and now I'm tired so I'm gonna give myself a break I'm gonna I'm gonna slack off a little bit for the rest of this week because I did enough I did enough you know I'm gonna give myself a lot of excuses oh Mr. Excuse gotta love Mr. Excuses Mm -hmm. But see, I did this. But come on, I can I can always rationalize to the umpteenth degree mm-hmm. why I don't need to go forward. And that's my debris island. Mm-hmm. And it's more about just figuring out how you continually restructure your old narratives over new environments. Over and over and over and over again. And if we can break those narratives, then you don't have that problem. You're already in the ocean. Mm-hmm. And you're in this natural kind of flow state that just opens up your world to a much broader horizon and the mind is infinite the mind is limitless but there's all these weird narratives that create limitations around the mind and how we're able to interact with this world and i i don't believe that's real of course not
0: (laughs) so and so this book is also you basically explaining what you do in your ceremony work
1: it's, I mean, it's a it's ceremony not, in a book.
0: Yeah. yeah. But You're saying like when you're working with people in ceremony and working on them, that's what you're doing too. You're clearing the debris.
1: I'm looking at their debris Island because mm-hmm. people are going to come to us and they'll say, Hey, I'm depressed or Hey, I'm, uh, I, I'm identifying with my sadness or whatever it is. I am, I am these things, their narratives. And they're coming to say, I want to change these narratives. I want to be happy. I want to be joyous. I want to be wealthy or at peace. And the entire time we're singing to them, it's just me looking at their counter. All I see is their counter narratives and their counter counter narratives can be like, you know, I'm, I'm never going to be happy. There's nothing that's going to help me. And they believe those more than their happiness. Mm-hmm. And because of that. They will never get happy. They never achieve happiness mm-hmm. or peace or whatever harmony in their lives because their counter narratives are stronger than their belief in their possibility right. to be happy. Right. And that's all a ceremony is, is seeing how your mind works. Okay, what's how does your debris island look? And then looking in there and seeing all the demons of your doubts and your fears and your, you know, whatever.
0: So trauma, people talk about trauma a lot. Trauma is... In in this terminology, trauma is an event that created a shit ton of debris.
1: It created a ton of debris, and it created masks. It created new identities inside of that debris. So not only are you seeing, you did you throw up a whole new building of debris on debris island, but then you said, "I'm that house," Mm. and it's very challenging to separate yourself from that house because you're safe. It's where you're safe, even though it's pain. It's more safe in people's minds in the places of pain than it is in the places of peace. Right. Right? The ocean is terrifying to people. This is why I feel like how often in the mainstream news do they talk about how expansive your mind is? (laughs) Do they ever talk about the mind? No. But that's all they're aiming at. And all they're talking about is fear and doubt. Fear and doubt. And reestablishing more and more narratives of why you should be afraid.
0: And why you'll never
1: it's just debris yeah just debris they're just throwing trash onto your island so the challenge is like and it's not just on mainstream media is of course you know we have our own thing with it but it's individuals in our lives that do this to us as well and they can be close friends they can be family but they can sew in the narratives of
0: yeah but just just you know, you know uh, often it's, they're not even intending to. Not at all. But that's their narrative. So That's just their Debris out, Island, for sure.
1: And Debris that, Island has that magnetic effect. So you're going to be close to each other and, you know, they're going to keep throwing ropes over to your island and say, well, come on, man, come over here and think like I think. No, don't
0: think like I think. That's why I'm often afraid to share my hopes and dreams with a lot of people. Because <laughs> some people I know for a fact that their first response is, well that won't work because of that and what about that you got to worry about that and that's not safe and so so i keep it to myself but then by not expressing it i'm also not allowing it to like birth you know in a way
1: it's finding it's also about audience too right like like finding the people
0: that will celebrate your hopes and dreams and
1: if you're starting to swim if you're starting cuz you can do it right now people can start swimming right now like you can get you can get to the first part of Debris Island or uh, the book, and rediscovery and see oh shit yeah I I believe all this and this is what it made, all right, I'm gonna go somewhere else. It <laughs> once you start swimming you start attracting those people in your life that already are expanding to some degree mm-hmm. they're they're opening themselves to man you can do anything why why stop anywhere, you know, because they're why why stop. Come on, let's explore. We're here for this lifetime. How many more? Let's keep learning. Let's keep expanding. often my debris the
0: narrative is like you don't you're not talented enough for that like just people are other people are better than that. They've already done it. they're and as i say it
1: it's it's really ridiculous in a way. <laughs> that's the that's the first thing that happened when I started writing about the mind, is every YouTuber that talks about almost the exact same thing, about narratives and stories, they were all over my YouTube. And I'm like, oh, this YouTube's guy's so fancy! YouTube's trying to <laughs> block your flow, dude. <laughs> They're so cool! They're like, he's like this like really wealthy guy in a business suit talking about the mind, and I'm like, I'm some you know, forest urchin <laughs> 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 like talking about the mind. You know, but There's uh, Rick Rubin. I don't know if you ever listen to his stuff. Yeah, I love, I love what he has to say. He's a genius. I mean, he's a, yeah, he's a musical genius, but on
0: a deeper, what touches me when I listen to him is he's a spiritual genius without even trying to be. He's just, he, he's live. He's someone like you embodying limitless
1: experience. Like he. I would love that. That was a very nice compliment. Thank you. (laughs) To be compared to, I'm not Rick Rubin, but. Well, that's see, there's that. There's my narrative, right. But that's, (laughs) of course you're
0: not him, but, (laughs) but, but the, the point is that I think there are people in the world who can serve as my narrator would just compare me to them and tell me I'll never be that. But instead they can actually just be uh, beacons of light to show us what's possible, you know, and it's not like we're trying to compete with them or be them. But rather, they're they're setting an example of someone who's living, just completely living free and just living their fullest potential and calling. And maybe not even living their fullest potential. I don't know, but they're really... They're, they're going for they're it. They're really going for it without yeah. any... They've managed to slay, at least, m- maybe they haven't, but a lot of slay a lot of those doubts and fears. And, they, you know, it seems like they don't even think twice. I mean, uh, Joe Rogan's another example. And he talks about it, he like built this comedy club, and he's like sometimes he's like, "Holy shit like i didn't like I didn't even do that. it just it birthed it's like if we get out of the way of ourselves, just like your book, it comes through it births itself. It's not like you even have to have the pressure that you're the creator of it, but rather you using the method got out of the way so that this this can come through you because we all we I think we're all here to allow something to come through
1: yeah your unique perspective your unique aspect of that mind of the great mind is what's beautifully waiting to be expressed doesn't matter what it looks like and i feel like so many people are stifling themselves because they're because of debris island yeah and and man debris island is just borrowed ideas from other people that tell you yeah well you know one of my examples is when i was a kid i was told i could be an astronaut or be president or be whatever i wanted to be and then as you get become an adult you are like man i can't be an astronaut I, i don't know i mean i could now with breaking free from debris island but you see the challenges that lie ahead sure and then i even remember my family members being like well maybe aim for something smaller
0: yeah, and maybe in their mind they're protecting you from their... Because they experienced... It's like there's something that happens... If you're a dreamer as a child, and then uh, society, Debris Island, gets the best of you, becoming an adult can be really disappointing and de- demoralizing. Because it's like, wait a minute, I'm now I'm 40, and all these things I dreamed I would be. I, what happened, you know? And... But does it have to be? No, it doesn't. And it's, yeah, no, of course it doesn't have to be. And it seems like there's even, part of the battle is like, it seems to be there's an intention from people with power to really keep those debris islands in place, you know, because they have a scarcity mentality that if everyone has power, then they somehow don't, which is not true. Depends on the source of your power, but... There's an infinite power for everybody. And then there's the power that you take from others.
1: By putting them down. Michael Tazarian talks about that. He says the only reason the people in power have power right now is they're really good at putting everyone else down. And everyone else is really good at staying down. And then keeping each other down. Yeah. Keeping each other in a certain bandwidth of thinking, of understanding, of expression, of creativity. It's like... This is where Debris Island was such a revelation. It wasn't just like my own narratives, but it was like the narratives of people that were around me. I'm like, well, why do you think that that's the end of what's possible? Mm -hmm. There's so much more possibility behind that. Mm -hmm. It's like maybe
0: that's why there's such a, it seems there's such an intention to sow division and we become addicted to it because as long as I stay focused on why I don't like those people, then I'm actually able to avoid facing the fact that I have a limitless mind and I feel safe latching on to these divisions because it gives me an excuse of like staying in that bandwidth of just like giving all my energy to just mental bullshit of like I don't like that person in that group because they're thinking that way and I'm just stuck in that. And if you'll notice, a guy like Rick Rubin, for example. His interviews on podcasts and he never talks about politics or division he's only in a in a realm of creation and he's so into it he doesn't doesn't give any of that the time of day right so and i see i see guys like stephen king on twitter giving so much energy like he hates trump right and he just gives so much energy to that now like he has the derangement and i'm like dude you're so brilliant how much is this taking away from what you're really good at and what maybe when you were younger you weren't
1: paying attention to all this other bullshit nothing creates more debris than judgment I, and i tried to highlight that a bit more i should highlight that more That's in so the book. crucial say that again nothing creates more debris than judgment mm-hmm. nothing and it's, it's, it's wild to see how much, cause like really what creates fear and doubt judgment, mm-hmm. like judgment is the hidden hand that makes all the puppets move so often on Debris Island. I mean, even as I was writing, I'm like, well, what would this person think if they read that? what would this person? Yeah, think if that's they read me that? all and, the time. But it's like, I'm creating a whole story of judgment before I even, but it's you judging yourself. It's me. You're just giving it other characters. Yeah. Putting other faces on it. And this this is the problem is we're not even living in the creative, beautiful life of reality because we're still sitting on our couches thinking, well, if I even tried this anyways.
0: Without even even trying. I mean, I can compare that to uh, uh, cold showers. I take cold showers every morning. That's one way I kind of swim out into the ocean because every morning it's the same story my mind is like, you don't need a cold shower. It's too cold. Like, don't do it. Don't do it. But I've gotten good at just ignoring that and just going (laughs) for it. And then I'm so glad I did it afterwards. I feel really good, but it's, it's the same thing. It's just, if I think there's also a, it's like developing a muscle. I think that you, if you keep doing that, you keep ignoring all the negativity and debris, develop that muscle and, and it doesn't grip you like it used to. You're able to, you see it, it's there probably there for everybody even maybe even the rick rubens to a degree but they've just they've already been to the other side of that debris so much that they they know they're going to be okay in the ocean you know
1: they just completely ignore those voices the problem is we've built such a familiarity with them like they're our parents yeah right and like i often hear when i hear my dad's voice come through my head yeah and then out my mouth when it's when i'm gonna go do something and not saying whether it's negative or positive but i can hear my dad I'm like, oh, that was... Which
0: is just probably his dad and his dad before him. It's just, For
1: sure. We're just passing it down. It's debris. It's not even from anyone. It's just, who
0: knows how... Like, where does it start?
1: <laughs> that's that's the question. And I, and I think that's why figuring out our debris island is really what's going to bring us to the next level, hopefully, as humanity. I'm I'm having big, big goals for this book because I, I feel like we have so much... Humans have so much potential. Having a mind, having a mind that can think is incredible potential. Being creators, like you can create anything you want. That's incredible potential. But we squander it on debris. Like things that have just been passed down from generation to generation, person to person, story to story. It's just like, who am I in all of this? And who am I really? And I think, it, you're not the ocean either. The big, big, vast ocean of ever churning, ever swirling mind. There's more beyond that, which is why there's the third book which is the sky, but <laughs> it's it's seeing these different layers to mind and, and starting to break free from what we just regurgitate from somebody else. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'd much rather be as original as I can in all of it. There's a quote that I read as I was writing the book. It was, uh, I showed up to life wearing my real face when I walked around, when I walked out, everyone was wearing a mask and I felt ashamed. And that's a very poor quotation of that quote, but, but it's clear, you, man, you can feel it. Like anytime you try that's to like show the your lost real innocence self, of a child. Yeah. Right. We've lost so much and we've been programmed to think in a certain way. Like schooling doesn't really teach you how to think it teaches. You, well, that's not teaches right. you how to think it teaches you way. how to think a certain way. Whereas, Like, that's not even how the mind actually should move, which is what creates depression. Mm -hmm. Like, our minds are vastly more complicated than we can even imagine.
0: It seems like most standard schooling now is, it's actually a, you go to school to build a prison in your mind. Exactly. It's it's like, here, come, we're going to build this prison. And this is the prison everyone builds, so you'll get really comfortable in that prison
1: and it's true. I mean and and we find this way to relate to people in a certain way. We find like like even you know the language we use about how we relate to people, how we express people, we're just creating these divisions that are creating all these mini islands for people to get stuck on before they even get to the ocean. It's like if we can set it all down, just all of the narratives, all of them. <laughs> the ocean is already there. You're already in the middle of the sea. You're already in this vast mind. And I think that's why ayahuasca, San Pedro, uh, plant medicine in general, like uh, iboga, tobacco, it doesn't matter. They're trying to show us why we're stuck. It's your mind. It's just your mind. And then they're going to show you, look how infinite it is. Look how vast it is. And I'm sure you've had those experiences where you think a zillion thoughts. Man, your mind can do that. That's why psychedelics show us that.
0: To me, the psychedelics—another way that I see it—is they're not even. Sh- their purpose isn't to show me anything. It's like the psychedelic itself is a taste of the infinite mind, and by consuming it, all I can see is the limitations of my that I've created, because they highlight it. Because suddenly you see, it's like you turn on a light on it all, you know, and so then it becomes so obvious in those moments. I, I had a series of ayahuasca ceremonies. It, it was like a series. It went on for it was maybe a trilogy <laughs> where it was just like showing me how I could become the president of the United States. And in the ceremonies, it was so obvious that it's totally possible. There was a whole roadmap and what I need to do. And and, and for a few days after, I'd be like, God, wow, I can do that. I don't even know if I will do that, but it was just showing me that it really is possible. Anything's possible but then with time the the islands the debris comes back up again it's like oh that was just you know you were just having a like a fantasy world experience and you know look at well, all the reasons you can't become president of the United States so yeah i think they they a lot of these these medicines seem to me to just show me by giving me a glimpse of the infinite it shows me all the ways that are in the way and then it's up to me it's up to me if i want to then it then the homework is like okay so now what how do i how do i live in that space without constantly drinking plants you know because that's not really (laughs) sustainable
1: uh yeah nor nor is it necessary exactly and and i think for me there there comes a point with drinking uni or ayahuasca where it's like why am i doing this Yeah. What you're going to reflect, you're you're just reflecting my mind. And what was was interesting was when I started writing this and we did a retreat, it was reflecting the ocean in a very different way. And that was fascinating. What was? Uh, Ayahuasca. So it wasn't like... It wasn't like I'd go into ceremony and have my whole, I have like a routine and get in there and I drink the medicine. And things start to come on. And I'm starting to process all these ideas and all these thoughts that I had during the day and the week and the month and yada yada yada. Before I get into the space where it's more like just letting go of all these layers before you get into that, you know, psychedelic space. But while writing the Momentous Method, there were no narratives, and it was almost instantaneous. That you went into that space. Into that space. And because it happened to Safa too. She was like, "What? Because is you're this? by writing it, you're practicing it. it. It was a bit disconcerting. Like, there's a I I s speak about this at the end of the book and in in the next book as well. It's like when you start setting down the narratives, there's going to be a, a, like a teeter totter phase, where it's going to feel like you have like unstable footing at first. You're going to walk around and kind of be like." How do I interact with the world without constantly saying what everything is in my head? And it's going to feel a bit like wobbly and things are going to get a bit distorty and your ideas of what that log is. is going to be very different. It's it's odd. It's an odd sensation, but it's a consciousness expanding experience Mm -hmm. of setting down narratives and just interacting with this as it is, as it is.
0: And what was your? Did you have a process for writing in terms of a certain time of day or a certain ritual you do to like open yourself up to receive what's coming through? When, like, when were you writing? Daytime, nighttime, anytime. All day.
1: It took me probably a month and a half to write all of it, and just all day every day. I, I just wrote. My. It was so. It
0: just. It was just. It. It was so itching to be born. It, it just all you had to do is itself. set yourself
1: in front of the keyboard and, and just, just write. It just emerged. I, I don't even know how to describe the sensation. It was just
0: before it emerged, did you have did you already know what it was?
1: So I've always wanted to write a book. And every time I sat down to think about it, I never wrote it. When I didn't think about it, I wrote it. <laughs> It's like when I didn't, like, yeah. say, oh, I'm going to write a book about, you know, a, a wizard that walks through the forest and meets a fairy and, you know, it would never be written, ever. And I'd have wonderful ideas and I would totally have the full vision of the book, but I would never do it. So when what was the first time that you didn't do that? Like, how did that come about? I just did it. I just sat down and did it. Just let it just...
0: Started typing words i
1: didn't listen to my voice of what it would write like what it's going to be or what it's going to sound like i just was like i'm just going to write and just it, i'm going to see what comes out i don't know what's going to come out and what's going to see so when you first started you didn't know what was
0: coming out was a method was a teaching it was
1: i i wanted to just kind of talk about my experience with ayahuasca <laughs> and it just turned into wow. oh here's this it's very clear this is what it is this is that and it was just like oh i'm not even writing this (laughs) like something else is and that's your that's your higher self you know that's whatever you a different part of your brain is actually starting to activate is when we set down planning sometimes we just have to like my debris island's really tricky because i can feel really productive thinking about doing something yeah it's (laughs) almost like like I've done it. Right. You and know, then actually, you're tired. Yeah. <laughs> actually, you know, you just thought about it. Yeah. You
0: thought about all the glories and successes. <laughs> right. But now you're back to point A. You actually
1: haven't done it yet. Just sitting on my couch still. Wow. And it's one we just we just do it. And and you know, I have to thank Zach because Zach was a person that just does it. Over and over. He would just you know, I'm gonna make a YouTube channel. Boom. And he just started doing it.
0: He didn't he didn't. doesn't think
1: about i don't i mean i'm sure he does but he he doesn't give it It. he he obviously doesn't give it power because he power he just does it he just does it and he did it and man he's got look at all his subscribers and followers and like he's really achieving yeah because
0: what i'll often do when i think about something even i thought about youtube channel i'll think about before i even do it i'll think about all the things that need to be done to, to to make it work and I need this equipment. I need that, and and how do I get the word out? And without, why not just, just do it, and then the logistics will work themselves out.
1: Vibe until you thrive. And that's like that's how Joe Rogan did it, man. You saw Joe Rogan's first podcast. Yeah, it was, a, it was terrible. Sitting around smoking a bong, like <laughs> talking on. And I
0: even <laughs> listened to it back then, and it wasn't that great, but I still listened to it, and listened to it evolve but it just was yeah it was just like let's just do this now it's the biggest without thing any on the without any plan it's i think it's a teaching of um, in the in the um, bhagavad gita you know a lot of the teaching is about uh, fulfilling like doing your work in the world without any attachment to outcome right you just do Because if we're attached to what the outcome looks like, then we're actually not authentically doing. We're authentically, we're, we're instead we're doing with the, with the purpose of getting a certain outcome rather than having this, this genuine, authentic expression come through of our work in the world, whatever that is. But instead, uh, it's, yeah, it gets hijacked by an attachment to outcome, which for most people becomes the limitation that prevents them from doing it in the first place.
1: And then we never leave Debris Island. I mean, uh, I can't tell you how many people I know that have worked the same job for, you know, 40 plus years. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's not a negative thing. But seeing why you did that. Why you stopped at that point. There's nothing wrong
0: with it if the person's deeply happy and satisfied. For sure. It, and that's what they want. If it's fulfilling, if it's
1: opening you But to if the they're going horizons. home and
0: pissed off every day. And taking it out on them, themselves or their family, either through alcohol
1: or... Mistreating people, you know, then it's, it's not cool. It's not beneficial And then we perpetuate the cycle of Debris Island, we just keep building Debris Islands around us through our unhappiness It's like really like Freedom is happiness freedom from your narrator freedom from your separator your isolator your judgment is happiness I had an
0: experience, we were, in, uh, <clears throat> we were in Portugal, and we were, this is an experience I think of Debris Island dissolved for a minute for me because of a higher purpose. Uh, we were, it was the day we were to fly out of Portugal to go to make our way back to Peru. We're driving to the airport in our rental car in Lisbon, and I get a flat tire, and we're already cutting it close with the flight. And if we were going to miss this flight, then we would have probably missed our flight back to Peru and lost a bunch of money and whatever. So I get off the road and starting to change, change the tire, and I'm like, the tire was jammed. And Uma and Marta, you know, my daughter is there with Marta, and I'm like, okay, you guys, we're going to call you an Uber. You get to the airport now, check in, because it takes a little longer with Uma, and then I'll catch up. You know, I'll change this tire. And so they they went, they got checked in took me a while eventually got the tire off and drove to the airport on a spare tire and I get there right at the time where check-in is closed you know but I just like dropped off the car at the car rental didn't even I just gave him the key I was like just email me I just ran and uh there was a huge line I was like and all the thoughts of like why I'm not going to make this flight disappeared you know all the politeness of like oh there's a line so I just like yelled. I was like, my flight's leaving now. Like, I got to, I got to check in now. Please, please, please. I got to go, got to go. And I just like cut in front. And the check in people were like, oh, check it. It's too late. I was like, my daughter and wife are already there. I got to make this flight. I was just like, already determined that I'm going to make that flight, you know? And they found a way to get my bag checked. And they're like, okay, you're going to have to run, run through security. I get to security and there's a f- crazy line. And all, all thoughts of this is not possible were turned off. So I just like, I started cutting through the line, like lifting the the tape, you know, and just like lifting it, you know, the, they have like a line, you can lift up the, I, I broke the line basically. Right. I just lifted the tape and just went through and just cut in front of everyone. I was like, Hey, my, I gotta go. Everybody. Sorry. Everyone's like, yeah, yeah, go. And then the security guard comes and he was pissed. He came up to me and, and because I had destroyed the line. I ripped the tape. And he comes up to me and he rips it, my passport from me. And he's like, you're coming with me. And I was like, and something, I don't know what this was. I've never seen this side of me. But I ripped the passport, this is security, right? I ripped the passport back from him. And I look him in the eye and I said, don't fuck with me. I'm getting on this plane. And he was like, I could tell his computer scrambled. Because like, I was not following his orders. And I just ripped the passport back and I kept cutting through the line and going to the front. I'm like, and everyone's like, yeah, yeah, go, go. Everyone was rooting for me. And then, so I get to the front and he comes back again and he's yelling at me. He's like, you fucked everything up. Like, because I destroyed the line, now there was chaos in the whole security because everybody, there was no more line. So everybody was just like, where do we go? And he he's yelling at me and I'm like, and and I'm I'm telling the whole crowd, hundreds of people, I'm like, I'm sorry everybody for fucking up the line my flight. Blah, blah blah And everyone's like, the people who spoke English are like, yeah, yeah, go. And the guy was like, I could, I could make your life miserable. I could search your bag for three hours, you'll miss your flight. At that point, at that point I knew I had already I got this, right? I was like, listen, man, I'm I'm really sorry. It's not personal. He's like, you think just because you're American, you can blah, blah, blah. Would you do that at JFK? And yes. in my mind, I was like, no, JFK, they probably wouldn't let me they'd arrest you yeah but what i told him is like no it's not because i'm american it's because i have a wife and a daughter and they're about to get on that plane i was like do you have kids he's like no just fuck you just go so i went and i made the flight but and then i spent the next like 24 hours like reflecting on this experience and like i got two things out of it a i felt really bad part of me felt bad that i was that i made this guy's life hard and i was really rude to him but he was also really rude to me. But two, I felt really powerful. I was like, oh, like, like there is a certain limitless. Like, and for me, the motivation was my wife and daughter. Like, it just erased any doubt that I that I'm going to miss that flight. And I just broke all conventions of what I would normally do. Of like, well oh, I'm stuck in line. I can't. And security guard, I well, I can't say no to him. But everything just like. All of that just disappeared, you know, and, and I like I really had a whole reflection about like how powerful I am that we are. Everybody is. And in Europe is really Europe is really a very tame place. People are very tamed. So they're not I could tell the security guard had never been told no before or had been, you know, or maybe hadn't really experienced that. And. Um, but, yeah, I just felt like, wow, like we really are powerful and and I just knew going into it that I'm going to make this flight. That's all there was to it, you know, and there is no, there is no other possibility. And so I made it, I made the flight and, you know, and I sat with some like feeling, I felt kind of weird afterwards. I was like, geez, I can't believe I did that. And so anyway, I think that it seems to me some like, that was a glimpse. It was almost like a teaching, like, Hey, maybe next time you don't have to destroy the line, you know, maybe you can just like, put the tape back when as you pass through and just politely ask people and you'll get through. You don't have to be so crazy and violent about it. But nonetheless it showed me that um, all those limitations, like all that debris, it can be surpassed. You can do anything, right? So this was just like a very visceral experience. You know, And I, I really don't do well with authority people in uniforms denying me my freedom (laughs) like i i don't respond well to it at all you know and and i'm grateful that i've never put myself in a bad situation because of that you know but um but yeah there you go so that was my experience of uh, momentous method (laughs) applied
1: (laughs) you've done this multiple times i'd say during the pandemic getting from africa to peru
0: that was another experience of that where there was no nothing was going to stop me and it didn't malaria, everything. Right? So then if you know it's possible, why do we stop? Because yeah, I think for me it's those moments arose because of a motivation, right? There was a there was a clear, concrete goal that that I was absolutely just determined uh that, that nothing was gonna stop me from getting back home to my wife and in this case from getting on that plane with my wife and daughter. So those were the motivations and so yeah, like how yeah and there was n- like in that whole experience in the airport there was never a moment where my mind said dude you just relax you're not going to make it just give up like or you shouldn't be you shouldn't be uh denying a security person no, there was none of that it was empty it was just me feeling just very powerful and then i'm going to make this flight you know so So when it's, those felt like really high stakes, but I think the stakes are just as high for a decision to leave my job and do something for myself. It just, they don't seem as high stake because they're comfortable. I'm comfortable and time is a funny thing, but life is like, we have limited time here, right? And, And I suppose with like getting to that flight, time was very obvious. Like I had a few minutes to get to that gate Right. So it's the same thing as life. (laughs) Right. So it's almost like the debris is that security guard. You know, the debris is the the line and the tape and all the people and, uh, swimming out in the ocean is just like, no, these, this will not stop me,
1: you know? So I think that's why I I put the title momentous in it Mm -hmm. because it is of great import. It's, it is a big thing because how many of us, you know, I was sold, what you're going to do is you're going to be born, you're going to go through school, and when you're done with, you know, f- from first to twelfth grade, and then you're going to go to university, then you're going to get a good job, and then you're going to buy a house, and then you're going to have kids, and then you're going to repeat the cycle and make sure they go to school, and you're, they're going to get... it's just like this weird trap. And if, if you emerge in this world at first and there was no idea of what this game is that you were gonna play and somebody told you that was your game, what would you would go right back in the womb and you'd <laughs> run, run away immediately. <laughs> totally. That's not what life is meant to life is so much more than that. Is being we have so much more potential than being stuck at home and watching Netflix. Like I do the same thing. I still watch you know, I still watch Netflix. I enjoy it. We're watching Breaking Bad right now. And <laughs> but I see where I'd stop because I'd rather be entertained or I'd rather be comfortable and eat some chips and I could just do this one more day. and yeah, I can Ooh. do this one more day.
0: Breaking Bad is a great example. I mean w Walter is his name, right? Well yeah. He's he's going out in the ocean, dude. He's leaving <laughs> he's this living the life. <laughs> and his motivator is cancer.
1: Yeah or at least he thinks. And so. saving his, and making sure his family is yeah, taken so care like of. Yeah, so like
0: very strong, right, motivators that are very obvious. But yeah, he goes out into the unknown, right? I mean.
1: And you see it, his his character development, like yeah. through his character, like how the how, power comes to him. And he gets like conflicted too throughout it because there's several times where he, you know, in the beginning where he tries to set it all down and he's like, ah, oh, but I can't. It's so enticing that, that flavor of the ocean of like uncertainty. Of power.
0: Yeah. Of his own freedom freedom for his own destiny and yeah yeah totally man and i guess it's why certain shows and movies draw us you know i think you and i are drawn to similar things you know same with the matrix i mean that's what it's all about come on now the matrix is like that's exactly
1: what it's about and it and it there's no like as i was writing the book i'm like am i writing the matrix (laughs) i was a bit like am i copywriting here because it's it's not anywhere similar but I'm basically talking about the movie, the matrix almost. Yeah. To some degree, like what that discovery process for Neo is. He's like, Oh, it's all fake. Like everything here is borrowed. What is my own creation? Where am I involved in all this? What is fate? There's that really fucking key moment in the movie where with the Oracle. Yeah. Do you believe in fate? And he's like, no, I don't like to think that I'm not in control of my life. And that's true. Are you in control of your life? If you live on Debris Island, period, you're not. Debris Island is not in control of your 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 life. You are living subject to ideologies, thought patterns, and things of stagnation, of limitation, and of believing in your inability to achieve the next thing. It's period. That's all Debris Island. and And I have it, and I still have Debris Island. I still go back there to hang out because it's so familiar, it's so comfortable. But that's all it is. It's limitation, it's limited thinking, it's limited life, it's limited expression of you. And there's no other option other than to break free and start swimming, like yeah. in my mind, personally. Yeah. And my life is showing me that. It, my life is like, the walls of my house are crumbling as I'm deciding to change my debris island, like what? Could there be a clear manifestation no of mind and reality?
0: Sometimes life really uh, throws it at your face. I mean, I, I think I spent you know my twenty, a lot of my twenties, early thirties, like severely depressed, and like reflecting on that, a lot of the depression came from a real deep desire to get out of debris island, but a, an inability to let it go and a fear, right? And so I was just in this in between trying to fit in in debris island but kn- but knowing deep down this it's not what i'm here to do and i got so depressed because i see the ocean and i'm can't let go the debris and so there was this real conflict within me and that conflict was just destroying me you know from the inside right
1: but it's the the things that are saying i can't it's not just the i can't it's the stories around why I can't. Mm-hmm. When I decided to come down to Peru, there were no I can'ts. None. There was like, Me neither. I'm leaving everything behind. Goodbye. It, 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 the only I can't was, I can't not. <laughs> exactly. So, why can't we live our life like that? I can't not, you know, break free from Debris Island. I can't not, you know, I can't stay in this island any longer because it's really it's fake. It's, it's just, I'm perpetuating limitations. For myself and others. Mm-hmm.
0: So I got to live my life like the plane's about to leave. And my daughter and wife are on it.
1: Can you imagine how invigorating that kind of life would be? I was invigorated that day, man. Dude, you wouldn't... You would, there'd be nothing stopping you from achieving anything you desired. Ever. Wow. Well. And you know you can achieve it. Like, you saw that day. You achieved it. You did it. Against all odds, you did it. So why do we stop here? Part of me...
0: I think I often stop too because I haven't even been clear about what I desire.
1: But even that is a, is a limitation. It's stopping you. It's, you're staying on Debris Island to even discover what you desire. Like yeah, I'm gonna think exactly. Of, you're going to think about what you could possibly desire and you can think about everything so you're not going to find it in your mind. So you have to just leave the island. You have to leave the island. You have to feel the experience of breaking free. Because it's actually in that breaking free that there's the consciousness expansion. There's mm-hmm. that sense of like, oh, shoot, man, I can do anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Literally. doesn't matter what I do. Why don't I try everything and figure out what I desire? Why don't I try and start making a, a, a video podcast on YouTube? Yeah, I guess because you have to leave the debris in order to even see what's out there. <laughs> you, you can't. You can't see beyond Debris Island until you break free from it and maybe there's gaps and little holes and we get glimpses of the outside and sometimes we jump off the island without even knowing and then we're like oh we got to get back to safety because it's it's safe over here where everyone agrees with the same oh, yeah, yeah, thing yeah. that we're all saying <sighs> New York City is a massive debris island and it's a it's an interesting one
0: I I lived there for a long time It's a weird one
1: cuz everyone loves it and hates it and they yeah. want to get out of there but they don't want to leave Yeah it's a, what a weird And then island. I got out of there and I spent a long time like wanting to go back. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Yeah. So what is that, like what are they, what are they built there? They, to me they've built
0: so many distractions for myself that it feels comfortable. Like I can just get lost in all the chaos of it, you know? It's, it's, it's a debris island with a lot of bright lights, man. For sure. And tasty
1: food. and Good, good food. And, yeah. But it's, that's where the trap is. And this is where everyone gets stuck is we keep, there's a rule. And I say this in the beginning of the book, there's a rule on Debris Island that everyone agrees on that. They don't talk about the ocean. They don't acknowledge that they're floating. Right. And that's really important. And they will hold that and they'll throw you in jail if you talk about it.
0: Before I left New York, I had a conversation basically that with a friend. Basically the conversation was like, I got to go. I just feel like there's so much more to life. I and mean, he was like... Like what? What else? There's, no, there's nothing... There's no mis- there's no invisible thing out there.
1: This is it. We're the guards of our own prisons.
0: But living in New York... Free from debris island... Then you can have a lot of fun.
1: <laughs> yeah. For sure. But it, it's all just here. Yeah. And the trap is like... We have to keep rediscovering where we're getting caught. Because it's really sneaky at rebuilding a new island. There's like... Uh, oh man even even on the other side in the ocean we can have a debris island ocean (laughs) it's the whole ocean is Mm -hmm. we have a whole community of people who believe we're free from narratives and Mm -hmm. and we just build a whole new island so it's very it's a tricky thing that's what i've got to be really careful with so I I, my desire in all of this is not to create a new structure in any form it's to hopefully dissolve structures So there are like my words aren't the end-all be-all. I'm just trying to point in a direction and In no way do I think I'm the authority on this. I just I see it and I see there's possibilities for freedom.
0: Yeah It it makes me think of um, I've had a few lucid dreaming experiences in my life or yes lucid dreaming and isn't it an interesting, and I think anyone who lucid dreams, this is the same experience. One of the first instincts when lucid dreaming is to fly or to, like, when uh, two of my lucid dreams are in the same, like, cityscape. It's almost like a New York-type city at night. And immediately upon waking in that dream and being lucid, my first instinct was like, I'm going to fly. So I just, you know, just lift off and fly or I'm going to walk through this wall, like walk through a wall and I see what everybody's doing and everyone's kind of asleep, just living their life and I'm just completely free in it. Right. And so to me, that's clear in the, if the dreaming state, when, when I think a lot of our, if you become lucid in a dream, dream, a lot of the standard debris that's active in the mind is dormant. It's still asleep. And what is your first instinct? It's to be limitless. Right. so, I guess it's about lucid dreaming in the waking state. <laughs> exactly. Yogis know it. Yogis know it. And people who practice lucid dreaming, I, I, I believe that if you really go into that practice, then it extends into your waking life. I mean...
1: You start to see the other dream.
0: Yeah, you start dream. to see that it's the same thing. Yep. And and you can, if you can operate in your waking life as you do in a lucid dream, I mean...
1: You're limitless. That's a beauty, man. The mind is is full of, like, boiling potential. Like, your mind literally, your being, your being Al, wants to create. Mm -hmm. It's waiting to express itself. But it's being stopped because of Debris Island, because of ideology. Mine, too. It's just like, where am I doing that, though? And why am I, like, why am I hanging out on Debris Island? I'm done with this place. Because
0: it's all, yeah. Until you don't, it's because it's all you've ever known until now. It's so
1: cozy. Because people need that. They they have more comfort in their mind, talking to their mind and their mental talk than they do in actually, like, well, I'm yeah. going gonna, gonna to sit that all down for a minute.
0: It's cozy until you realize how it wasn't cozy until you get out of it. Right. It's the same with the cold shower. The morning I'm kind of groggy. I'm like, I don't want a cold shower. And then I do it, and I'm like, how did I not want this? And I feel <laughs> so fresh and alive and awake. <laughs> It's the same thing, right? Exactly. We just I guess we don't realize what's on the other side, but it's actually so much, so free and open, and or it's like going to the gym too. It's like I don't ever want to go to the gym, <laughs> but after I go, I'm so glad I did it. T- that's another, you know,
1: fight with. the Those are Brit like Island.
0: the daily, yeah, the daily little, you know. I guess to me, that's what a practice is, or spiritual practice, or you know, health practice to me the gym and cold shower are spiritual practices because I'm confronting a certain level of debris and having a daily practice of just leaving it behind, you know, going into the open ocean, which is uncomfortable. But then once I'm there, I'm feel so much better. You know? And you're free. Yeah. You're no longer trapped.
1: Yeah. We had a very, it was an interesting story. We had a very fascinating experience. So I'm just finishing writing this book, and we went to a big resort, a very, very fancy resort. Yeah. And you know, we were there, and at first, man, we were eating everything, and there's like free food, every all inclusive. You were like uh, oh, Cyrus in the Matrix. Oh my God! Enjoying man. that filet, I mean. Everything. I mean, you get oysters as you can order as many oysters as you want, and champagne, and you could. It's all you can drink and all you can eat, and we had this day where we just, we did that and let go. And then something clicked. Like we just, we saw the place for what it was. And it went from a beautiful resort full of wealthy people to a house full of demons in like an instant. Oh God. And we got to see like clearly, like very, very clearly what the place was. And it was such a prison. It became like, and, Then having the opportunity to go back and forth, like I can set that, even that narrative down and I can go back into like, I'm going to enjoy this and I can set that down and see, oh, this is the breeding house of gluttons. You know, like it was such a fascinating thing just to play with the switch of narratives and be like, wow I can just even set myself completely free and see heaven here now, too. There were just so many layers to this possibility, but it was so interesting to see just like how I shifted a narrative, just enough to see clearly what that environment was for what it was, and then go back and forth and back and forth. Wow. Yeah.
0: Wow. It's like, because, you know, we talk a lot about in this context, you know, being limitless, a lot of people's ideas will be like to become wealthy and have, you know, where money is no longer a concern. But that can become a trap where people who are in that state stop expanding and they just consume their wealth becomes it consumes them and they just consume another consume, debris consume. island. And in, they're in the debris island. It ta- it's a tasty debris island. But wow. then eventually it's not even tasty anymore. You, you stop even enjoying that part and then you're just in a consumption
1: trap. We got to keep discovering and rediscovering and rediscovering where we are in each moment. And I think that's where Ruthless clarity, which is the second chapter mm-hmm. is like crucial because like I had to have ruthless clarity in that moment Or I was gonna be lost in this place of like gluttony mm-hmm. Just eating and drinking and eating and drinking and wealthy people and da it was just It, it was gross and, and it hurt. It was like a really strong reflection to see So it was, it was fascinating But then, like, not even, like, and then, you know, the first thing we do after that is we jump into judgment. How dare you, Felix? You've done this much work with ayahuasca, and you should be so clear, and blah, 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 blah. And I've just built another debris island of guilt and shame, and wah, 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 wah. But skipping all those steps, you just, you come back into a place of just acknowledgement of what happened and experience everything is just an experience. It doesn't need a bunch of other labels. It doesn't need all this narration of ideology. It's just let go. Like allow yourself to be in the ocean. Mm-hmm.
0: Every experience is an opportunity to be free or an opportunity to get trapped
1: every single one. And so we have to like, keep kind of like flipping the switch of rediscovery just non attachment.
0: Yeah, dude, I'm really excited to read your book, man. <laughs> And I'll leave a, every, everyone when you read it, leave a five star review, which it'll deserve on Amazon, because that's important, please, uh, for the exposure. Um, dude, I'm amazed. I'm really I'm super excited. And thank you for letting this birth this <laughs> teaching <laughs> yeah. that it will benefit so many. Thanks, man. After Marta and my wife wrote her book, like she's still, you know, years later now she gets these really touch touching like emails and messages from people she's never met, you know, that talk about how the book, you know, impacted them and changed their life. And, and it's like, and again, without attachment to outcome, watching her write the book. And I think it's the same for you. That wasn't her intention. Her intention wasn't that people read it and their lives will change forever. It was just like, she was just birthing this thing and it was authentic and and that's the impact that it has, you know, so, and I can say that I'm here today because of certain books and teachings and podcasts and people who just let the teaching come through them so that I could receive it. And that's what helped me to, you know, get through certain debris, <laughs> but now I'm really ready to really, uh, see it and get, what is the second step?
1: Uh, ruthless clarity. ruthless clarity. Yeah. You have to be ruthless with your clarity. 'Cause it, it hurts. There's certain band-aids that hurt in seeing their their limitations or their garbage farts. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah looking at looking at ourselves can be painful. Fuck. But it's only painful for as long as we allow a judgment to arise from it, which might be a natural response for a bit, but shame. That's yeah. another one. But then you just leave that mask behind and
1: shame, yeah. It's just more debris, though. It's just like, man, who told you that you should be ashamed of who you are? Yeah. Where did that come in? And I, and I feel like that's that's more like mainstream media. I don't want to get conspiratorial here, but I feel like movies kind of like, yeah, you should be successfully millionaires and whatever, very handsome and drive fast cars and blah, blah, blah. Or I think there's
0: a lot of it is look at these successful millionaires that you'll never be. <laughs> yeah, right. Like it's more like creating... Creating limitations—it's,
1: it's It's the subtext.
0: Yeah, it's just like enjoy what it means to be limitless through this movie, (laughs) and then go back to your life. Yeah, because look at this person—they, you—you can't be this character, but you you can—you know—you can watch it for a couple hours.
1: In reality, you can be any character
0: you want. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) as long as it fits these guidelines. (laughs) Well, thank you, man.
1: Thank you. Uh,
0: Momentous Method by Felix Sturden, Amazon,
1: or Lulu. Or Lu, don't do Lulu. I think of Just Lulu do Amazon. Lenin. Yeah, that's what I think of, too. It, Lulu has it, but you'll get it in 15 days, so okay. focus on Amazon. Do
0: if. you, what's more profitable for you in terms of, do they get the same, do they keep the same cut? Mm. If a person's not in a rush to receive the book, they can wait two weeks, what's better?
1: Amazon's still better. Okay. Uh, Amazon kind of rules the market. Yeah. And it's not about profit honestly like No,
0: I know that, but I I just, you know, uh, obviously, but I'm just thinking if just from all levels if someone is not in a rush and they want to get it in the way that's best for Felix Amazon.
1: Right now it's on a discount cuz I'm going through a promotion advertising thing, oh, so sweet. it's $4.98 on Kindle. And it's originally 8, so it's half off. Damn, son. 50% off, so I'd pay
0: hundred dollars for this
1: i appreciate that that's very kind <laughs> that's but it's 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 to get it to I get a different it. audience I get and, it like make yeah. sure
0: it's accessible and that people who you know we have our debris that says it's too expensive and so people can at least buy the book while facing that debris <laughs> and then the second book they'll be willing to pay what it's actually worth What it's worth yeah <laughs> momentous life beautiful man well uh it's been yeah it's an hour and a half in and uh so we'll we'll, we'll do some more of this we have to in the next few months yeah but it feels good it does feel good uh you've sparked a lot of uh yeah a lot of uh things are moving within me just from this conversation so it's a perfect time that i need to hear this and read this book
1: so Thanks, God.
0: Thanks, God. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you next time. Hopefully, it won't be nine months. It'll be sooner. It'll be sooner, yeah. We'll see you soon. Stay tuned. Beyond Words. Peace out. Peace.